Hey, this is Pastor Jeff Workmeister of Elevate Church, and welcome to our podcast. I want to thank you for listening today. I hope this inspires you, encourages you, and builds your faith. Enjoy the podcast. Uh, if you got a Bible, pull out your Bible. If you got an e-Bible, pull out your e-Bible. If you got something to write, something down. Today is a really, really important day to write some things down. I promise you, we're in this series called Freedom. We're going into 2024, not carrying the junk of 23 and 22 and 21 into this year. We're gonna go into this year and experience the freedom that Jesus paid such a high price for, amen? I want you to go to Luke chapter 15. And we're going to go, we're going to start in verse 11. We're going to go all the way through 32 today. And I really feel that today um, isn't just me speaking today. I really believe today is an assignment. There are moments that I feel an assignment from God. And today, this has been brewing and stirring in my heart for months. And I believe in its assignment. Verse 11, Jesus said, once there was a father that had two sons. The father is God the father. So when we talk about the father in this story, we need to equate that with God the father. He had two sons. The younger son came to his father and said, father, don't you think it's time to give me my share of the inheritance? So the father went ahead and distributed between the two sons their inheritance. Now, anybody with any sense would think to themselves, this isn't a good plan. How could the father give this young son his inheritance? We all remember what it was like to be young and dumb. And if you're young and dumb right now, we bless you in the name of Jesus, okay? (laughs) Having too much too soon is a recipe for disaster in our life, but there is a reason the father gives him his inheritance, and it's this word called free will. Free will. See, God the Father, in his love and in his grace, will not control and manipulate you and cause you to love him out of control. We have to love him out of free will. This word free will is defined this way, free, independent choice, voluntarily deciding. So the Lord goes, I'm gonna give you the ability to take responsibility for how you live your life. It's on you. It's not on me. I've had this question asked to me, For many years in ministry, how could a loving God send people to hell? I'm here to tell you he's never sent one person to hell. People in their own choices and their own free will chose the pathway to hell versus the path of God. He never sends anyone to hell. Verse 13, shortly afterwards, the son packed up all of his belongings traveled off to see the world. He journeyed off to a far land where he soon wasted all that had been given to him in a binge of extravagant and reckless living, okay? The son believes that he can find happiness outside of his father's home. Just like we do so often. We think happiness is something that we find. Just like we think rest is a place. 
You know, when I say the word rest today, you're like, it's definitely not in Ohio, I'll tell you that much. It is on some beach somewhere. And the son believes that he's gonna find happiness, he's gonna find peace, he's gonna find joy outside of where? The father's home. Now, there must have been a moment that the son saw something outside of his father's home that grabbed the attention of his heart and caused his heart to yearn for something away from the father. See, we're so visual. I, I know I am. Anybody else visual? Okay. I, I love visual things. I'm stimulated by visual things. I love seeing beautiful things. And so often the enemy is so good at using our visual nature to manipulate us. Amen. And cause us to do what? Chase after things that God hasn't given us. So the son has made a decision. I am going to chase after things that my father hasn't given us. God is so good and he is so gracious. He will always give you what you need in the season you need it. He's a good father. That's what good fathers do. So if he hasn't given you something in this season, there's a reason for him not releasing that to you just yet. And hear my words, just yet. He's waiting what? For us to grow to mature, to be able to handle that blessing so we don't waste the blessing. Amen? Proverbs chapter two, verse 13 says this. For they left the path of righteousness and walk in the ways of darkness. They take pleasure when evil prospers through enjoying a lifestyle of sin. But they're walking on a path to where? Nowhere. We see this all the time in the world. People chasing wealth, people chasing power, people chasing the things of the world, and they're going where? On a path to nowhere. They never find it. They never find peace. They never find joy. They never find happiness. They're on a path to nowhere. And it says wandering deeper into what? Not truth, not life, but wandering deeper into deception, being deceived by the enemy. Verse 14 says this, with everything spent and nothing left, he grew hungry because there was a severe famine in the land. I want you to write this down. Living outside of God's plans will always eat up your finances. Living outside of God's plans will always eat up your finances because you're chasing after something the Lord hasn't provided you in this season. And you'll wonder, where did my money go? Well, you've been chasing. You haven't been trusting. You know, eat it up. Verse 15. So he begged a farmer in the country to hire him. The farmer hired him and sent him out to feed the pigs. So he went from the father's house to the pig pen. I don't know if that's your plan, but that is not my plan in life, okay? Verse 16, the son was so famished, so hungry, so starving, he was willing to eat the slop given to the pigs because no one would feed him a thing. Verse 17, there's this great word right here, underline it, humiliated. Anybody ever been humiliated before? 
You made some bad decisions. You made some bad choices. You went down some wrong roads just to come to a place you're like, man, I have, I have really messed up. I, I've really, really made a mess of things. And he's humiliated. And what comes when you are humiliated? Guilt, shame, and a loss of confidence. It's amazing how the enemy will lead you away from the Father's house just to humiliate you to bring guilt, shame, and a lack of confidence now in your life so you stay in the mess, right? You stay stuck in the mess. This was never God's plan. Ephesians chapter two, verse 10, it says, we are his workmanship. Praise God. He knew you. Before you were ever born, he formed you in your mother's womb. He put you together. For what? The Bible says, for his good works. You are designed, created for this season and time to do good works for Jesus. Verse 17, humiliated. The son finally realized what he was doing. He thought, there are many workers at my father's house and they all have food and I and, and they all have food and plenty to spare, leftover to spare. Lacking nothing. He said this, why am I here? Dying of hunger, feeding the pigs, eating their slop. Verse 18, one of the most beautiful verses in the entire Bible. Love this verse. Verse 18, he says this, I want to go back home to my father's house. I want to go back home. And I'll say to my father, I was wrong and I've sinned against you. There is something so beautiful when we go, I've messed up, but I'm not staying here. I've made some mistakes, but I'm not going to be a slave to these mistakes. I, I have really made some horrible decisions and choices, but I'm gonna come back home to my father and I'm gonna repent and I'm gonna ask the Lord to forgive me and I promise you it'll be one of the most beautiful experiences of your life. You will never feel guilt, shame, or condemnation. You will feel a release of his grace and his love and his mercy and his kindness overwhelm you. It's beautiful. It's amazing. Verse 19 says, I'll never be worthy of being called your son. Please, Father, just treat me like one of your employees. I want you to write this down. There is nothing you can do to earn God's love and be worthy in his eyes. Oh, I should have got a big amen from that. There is nothing. It is all about Jesus. Jesus went to the cross. He took your mistakes, your failures, your sin, nailed it. He said, it is finished, it is over, died for you, went to hell, paid the price, right? Because there was a price that had to be paid in hell for your sin, my sin. He went to hell, paid the price, rose again victoriously. And now Ephesians tells us what? We sit at the right hand of the Father seated with Christ Jesus as the righteousness of Christ. Amen? Come on. You can't do enough. You can't earn it. It is given. 
You just simply receive it. 1 Corinthians 6, 11 says this, you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified, declared free of guilt in what? Not in your good works. It says in the name not of, of your faithfulness, not in the name of what you can do for the Lord, not in the name of what you did for the church, not in that name. No, in the name of Jesus Christ, you were redeemed. You are holy, washed by him. The best decision that you can ever make is the moment you go, I wanna come home. I wanna come home. And let me tell you, I'm gonna tell you a little secret, believers in the room, this story isn't just for lost people. This is a story for every single one of us in the room because there's gonna be moments in our journey with Jesus that we're gonna have big failures and we're gonna have big mistakes and we're gonna have to go, I gotta go home. I lost my way. I gotta repent. I gotta get right before the Lord. I need, I need to go home. Verse 20. So the young son set off for home. Far away in the distance, the father saw him dressed as a beggar, and great compassion swelled up. I want you to see this, that when you come home, you don't get an angry dad. Amen? I mean, how many of us came back home, but we came back home to angry parents? And listen, I understand that. But the Lord wants you to see when you come back home, he is filled with compassion and love and grace and mercy. Said so great compassion swelled up in his heart for his son who was returning home. The father raced out to meet him, swept him up in his arms, hugged him dearly, kissed him over and over with tender Love, that's why when you get into worship and the presence of God is here, no matter what has happened through this week, no matter your guilt, your shame, your failures, your sin, what happens? God in his presence comes down with his tender love and he kisses you and he loves you and he tells you, you are mine. Amen. Romans 2, verse four. Don't you see how wonderful Kind, tolerant, patient God is with you. We have a great God. Goes on and says, does this mean nothing to you? Can't you see that it's his kindness that leads us to repentance? It's not his judgment. It's not his anger. It's not his wrath. It's his kindness that brings us to a place that we go, I want to come back home. I want to be close to my father. I want his love. I need his grace. I need his love in my life. Verse 21, the son said to the father, I've wronged. I've, I was wrong. I've sinned against you. I don't deserve to be called your son. Just let me. And the father interrupts him and says, son, you are home now. Turning to his servants, the father said, quick, bring the best robe, my own robe, and I will put it on his shoulders. Bring a ring, a seal of sonship, and I'll put it on his finger. Bring out the best shoes that you can find for my son. Verse 23, let's prepare a great feast and celebration. 
For my beloved son was dead, but now he's alive. He was lost, but now he's found, and everyone celebrated overflowing with joy. Now, this is where we end, typically. And I'm going to tell you something. In the 22 years that I've spoke and been a pastor, I've never preached any farther than this point right here. We're always focused on the son. We're always focused on the father. But if we look at the beginning of the story, the Bible said there was two sons. There was two brothers. And I'm gonna tell you, I've never preached this before, and the Lord's been showing me this for months. And I wanna share this with you, because here's what I believe. I believe today, if you get this, you are gonna be set free. Because I'm gonna, I'm gonna share something with you. The Lord showed me this. He said this, the second brother is often the church. The second brother is often the church of Jesus Christ. And because of that, they don't have freedom. So we're gonna look at this. Verse 25, okay? It says this. Now, the older son was out working in the field. Anybody ever worked hard before? Yeah. I mean, I'm talking about hard work, okay? I mean, I'm talking about scrubbing toilets at 5 a.m. in, in, in cold weather. You know, I'm, I'm talking about working outside with your hands. I'm, I'm, I'm talking about the sweat of your brow. I'm talking about some hard work, okay? Now, I don't know if you've ever experienced this before, but I know I have, that I've had some moments in my life where I'm working really, really hard, right? Just like the brother, he's out in the field, he's working the fields for his father, and, and he comes back, and I come back, I'll come back and see people, and they're, they're not working, Now, I don't know about you. You might be more godly than I am, but I'm pretty confident that my response in those moments haven't been really godly, okay? I'm just being honest with you. Typically, I'm like, what the heck? I'm working. You're chilling. You're goofing off. You're not doing anything, right? So the... The brother, he's out in the field and he's being faithful to his father. The brother hasn't left home, hasn't been partying. We're gonna hear about it later. He's been at home, he's been faithful. He's working hard for his dad. And the brother returns home and he approaches the house and he hears music and celebration and dancing. He's going, no, 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 I don't know what's happening today. Today isn't that day. Today's a work day, right? You're like, it's, it's Tuesday. <laughs> you know? I mean, do you, you ever get an invitation to come have a party at somebody's house on a Tuesday afternoon? You'd be like, what in the world? What's wrong with you, right? He comes home, they're having a party, they're having a celebration, and he calls out to the servant, he asks, he says this, what's going on? Right? You can hear it in his tone. What's going on? What's happening? Verse 27, the servant replied, 
It's to honor your brother. He's returned home. Your father is throwing a party to celebrate his homecoming. Point number one is this, trapped in jealousy. Trapped in jealousy. James chapter three, verse 14. But if you're bitterly jealous, ask yourself, am I jealous, Lord? If you're bitterly jealous and there are selfish ambitions in your heart, don't cover them up. Don't cover up the truth by boasting lies. For jealousy and selfishness are not of God's wisdom. Such things are earthly, unspiritual, and I love this word, demonic. Demonic. (laughs) Verse 16. For wherever there's jealousy and selfish ambition, you will find discord and evil of every kind. Can I say this? A church will never thrive with jealous people. Because jealousy won't bring unity, it'll bring discord and destruction. And a church needs to be unified by the mission of Jesus Christ. And what is the mission of Jesus Christ? He told us, it's a great commission. Go find your brothers that aren't in this house, go reach them, find them, and bring them into this house. And a church has to be unified under the vision of the Great Commission. Jesus gave us a Great Commission. Go find the lost. Go save the lost. Go disciple the lost. Go get your brothers and your sisters and bring them back home to the Father's house. But a church can't do that when they're full of jealous people. The brother should have been happy for the father. He should have came home and said, oh my gosh, I've watched my dad for weeks and months stand at the edge of the property looking for his son. Do you know that Jesus is looking for his lost sheep? Jesus cares about him? And the brother should have said, my dad, My precious dad, his heart has been so heavy. It's been so grieved. It's been so overwhelmed. And my dad, his son came home. The brother should have been so happy for him. The brother should have been so excited for his younger brother. Right? My younger brother, my dumb younger brother that took all the money and wasted it all and spent it all. Right? He came home, praise God. I don't care what he did. The past is the past. He came home, that's what matters. He came to his senses, that's what matters. He should have been excited for him. Let me ask you a question. What raises in your heart when people you know have made bad decisions, choices, and big failures, yet they come home and God blesses them and favors them? What happens in your heart when that happens? What comes out of your mouth when that happens? What rises up? Let me ask this question. How do you internally handle when somebody that has made bad decisions and choices now gets ahead of you? How do you handle that? How do you handle 
when somebody is in a season that you're not? What do you, how do you handle when somebody's blessed, when you, can I just say this, you believe they don't deserve it? Because that's what jealousy is. Jealousy goes, I'm smarter than them. I have more wisdom than them. I'm better than them. I work harder than them. I do more for the Lord than them. How in the world did they get blessed? Right? We end up becoming God. We end up becoming judge and jury. We decide who gets blessed and who doesn't get blessed. This is what the brother's doing. The brother's going, wait, 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 wait. I'm the faithful one here. I'm the one that didn't leave. I'm the one that's working hard. I'm the one that's keeping these fields plowed and taken care of. I'm making sure that the finances keep rolling into my father's house. I'm making sure that my father's house is blessed. I'm the faithful one. Let me, let me, let me ask you this. How do you handle when you're not picked? Great question, isn't it? How do you handle when you're not chosen to lead? How do you handle when you're not chosen to sing? How do you handle when you're not the one up here being honored on a Sunday morning? How do you handle those moments? How do you handle those things in your heart? How do you handle when you don't get the opportunity and somebody else does? What rises up in you? Does jealousy rise up in you? Because this is what the Bible says jealousy is. It said it was earthly. It's not of his world. It's not of his kingdom. God doesn't see things that way. God has a master plan for each and every one of you. And the Bible tells us it's a good plan, not for disaster, but to prosper you and to give you a hope and to give you a future. A future. God has a great plan for your life. He doesn't look at one and despise the other. He looks at all of us equally and goes, I love you all individually. How do you respond the other thing I said, it said it's unspiritual, meaning this, just no maturity. There's just a lack of maturity, I think, in the church of Jesus Christ. I'm talking about some of us in this room, some of us in the world of following Jesus. There's just a lack of maturity. It also goes on, it says this, demonic. Demonic. I remember... It was like the first year that we were at Valley, uh, Valley Family Church in Michigan, and we were on staff there. And um, they heard Jess sing, and so they wanted Jess, my wife, to come sing in the main service, and we were super excited. And Jess sang this song, Come Sit With You for a While, or Sit With Me for a While, okay? It was a beautiful song. And Jess had led this song in youth and had done this song for years and years. And so they had her come and, and she sang for a few weekends in a row and did that song and it was beautiful and people were really excited. And, and I was excited to see my wife's talent be used and, and, and I was just really excited about that moment. And then she wasn't on the schedule for a couple months to sing, which I thought, man, that's kind of weird, you know, like, like, she was on the schedule, but now she's not on the schedule, and so she wasn't on the schedule to lead. And, and then one Sunday, I came to church, and somebody else was singing her song, Sit With Me a While. And I, and I just got so jealous. And I got so mad. And I got so upset, all the way to the point that I made an appointment with Pastor Beth. 
because I was going to let Pastor Beth know what I thought because that was Jess's song. That, that wasn't somebody else's song to sing. That was Jess's song to sing, and I was jealous, and, and so I made an appointment. So I came to Pastor Beth's office, and I knocked on the door, and she said, come on in. She said, hey, PJ, what's going on? I said, I said, well, I'm just, to be really honest, I'm just, like, mad, and I'm just upset. You guys gave Jess, you know, the opportunity to sing the song. She did a great job, and she killed it, and all of a sudden, she's off the schedule, and you have somebody else singing, and, and I think that's wrong. Isn't it amazing how jealousy will cause you to say and do things you never would before? You know why? Because it's a demonic spirit. It's not you. It's demonic. And so I'm looking at Pastor Beth, and I told her, this is wrong. You need to fix this. And I'm upset, and I'm jealous, and you need to fix all this. And she asked me a question. She said, she said PJ, did Jess write that song? I was like, um, no. Um, she said, did Jess produce that song? Does she get, like, credit for writing that song, producing that song, making that song? I was like, I was like, no, no. She said, PJ, stop being led by a demonic spirit. That's what she told me. She said, PJ, stop being led by a demonic spirit. And I went, I'm really sorry. Please don't fire me. I'll never do this again, I promise you. Anytime you see me wanting to have a meeting with you, just ignore it, okay? (laughs) I was led by jealousy. The brother isn't happy. He's jealous. Verse 28. The older son became angry. Isn't that what happens when we don't get what we want? He became angry, refused to celebrate. He said, I'm not going in there. And it's so funny. The father, he comes out and he pleads with him, come enjoy the feast, right? Come in, son, we're having a party. It's not just for your younger brother. It's for everybody. But see, when when you're angry and you're bitter and you're frustrated, you go, no, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to worship. I'm not going to be a part of that. I'm not going to do that. God, I don't want anything to do with that. Verse 29, the son said to his father, listen. How he's trying to get his dad's attention. He's going, listen, dad. Pay attention to me. See me. It's like you're seeing through me, Dad. See me. Listen. How many years have I worked and slaved for you? He's building his case. Right? I got to build a case. I got to show my dad. How many years have I worked for you, slaved for you, performing every duty you ask as a faithful son? And I've never once disobeyed you. But you never, here's the wording, you've never thrown me a party for my faithfulness. Point number two is this, trapped in the spirit of offense. Trapped in the spirit of offense. Write this down. You cannot celebrate anyone 
You cannot celebrate anyone when you are controlled by offense. When you're controlled by an offensive spirit, when you're offended that somebody else is being celebrated, when you're offended that somebody else got ahead of you, when you're offended that somebody else is being you know, lifted up, if you're offended, you can never celebrate anybody else. Write this down. You can't celebrate anyone you believe that you're better than. Any moment in time that you perceive that you're smarter, right? Like, I'm smarter than that person. I'm more faithful than that person. I, I, I've, I've done my job better than that person. Anytime you see yourself better than another human being, you can't celebrate them. You can never celebrate them. Matthew chapter 24, verse 10, it says this, and many will be offended. Jesus said, he's talking about this time, this season of the earth, the last days. He goes, hey, I want everybody to know, in those days, in those times, not a few, but many will be offended. They're gonna get offended by other people's choices. They're gonna get offended by somebody else's blessing. They're gonna get offended on social media. They're gonna get offended when they get to peek into somebody else's life, when God didn't intend for them to peek into somebody else's life. They're gonna get offended. He said, many are gonna get offended and they'll betray one another and they'll hate one another and many false prophets will rise up and deceive many. I always thought, man, who are these false prophets? And the Holy Spirit goes, it's just culture around. Everybody in culture on social media going, I'm offended and I want you to hear why I'm offended and I wanna tell you why you should be offended. So come on over to the side of offense and we'll be, we'll be a little offended group together on social media. And he said, many false prophets will rise up. And because of lawlessness, what is lawlessness? It's saying, I reject God's word in truth. I know what God has said about being offended. I know what God has said about honoring people. I know what God has said about unforgiveness, but I've rejected it because this is how I feel and this is my truth. Right, it's your truth. And God goes, yeah, it's your life, it's free will. It says, and because lawlessness will abound, the love of many will grow cold. I'm not as saddened to watch the world chase after the things of the enemy. What saddens me the most is to watch the church, people in church, get offended, and then the love of Jesus grows cold in their heart, and they start chasing after the things of the world. That makes me the most sad. That grieves my heart more than anything. Point number three. Trapped in the spirit of manipulation. The brother goes, never once have you given me a goat that I could feast and celebrate with my friends. And at this, your son is doing it right now. The brother decides, okay, if he won't listen to me, then I'll make my dad feel bad. I'll manipulate him. 
I'll make him feel bad for honoring my brother. I'll make him feel bad for throwing this party. If I, if, if I can't get him to see what I want him to see, then I'll just manipulate him by, by emotion. The brother couldn't celebrate his brother because the brother couldn't manipulate his father to see his perspective. I want you to write this down. When people lose control and power to manipulate, they give up and quit. This is why he won't go into the house to celebrate his brother. He goes, I, no, I quit. Don't give me the power, I quit. Listen, I've been a pastor a long time. I've seen this for a long time, long time. People go, oh, I don't have control and power. I quit. I don't have control where my, where my tithe goes. I won't tithe then. People will come to me and go, hey, I want to give, but I only want to give to this, this thing, this ministry. I'll go, keep your money. Don't want it. You know why? Because they believe that that money is their money. But it's not their money. It's God's money. We're just returning to God what is his. And because they can't manipulate where their money goes, they go, I just won't give. Happens in serving. People go, I'm so gifted in this area. Early in the church, Probably year two or three, we had this lady come to us and she said, the Lord brought me here to be the worship leader of this church. And I was like, cool, <laughs> good for you. And then she gave me her album. She said, where do you want me to serve? I said, uh, if you could serve in kids, that'd be great. I think she lasted like four months. When she figured out she couldn't manipulate us, she didn't want to serve at that point. Oh, I quit. I can't use my gifts and talents the way that I want. I quit. People go, oh, I know what's best for the church. Good for you. God didn't appoint you to this position. He appointed me. And people go, well, if I can't control and manipulate him, I, I quit. I'll, go for, I'll find somewhere else to go. Good. Good. Don't be led by the spirit of manipulation. Don't let bitterness, don't let anger take over your heart. The brother was trying to manipulate his father. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 4 says, Love is patient, love is kind, love is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. And then it says this, it doesn't demand its own way. Real love goes, I I'm just here. I'm here to serve, I'm here to celebrate. I'm here to do whatever God wants. 
I'm here. Point number four, trapped in immaturity. Verse 30. The brother goes, look at him. Dad. Now he's really frustrated. He's not getting anywhere with his dad. He's going, dad, look at him. He comes home after wasting your hard-earned money, dad. He went and hooked up with prostitutes and wild living, and he comes home, Dad, and you throw him a party? Dad, I'm sorry, I just don't understand this. I don't get the logic, I don't get your under, I don't, I can't understand you, Dad. Write this down. It takes maturity to be excited for other people. It takes maturity to understand the grace of God for other people. It takes maturity to celebrate others. This is one of the goals of my life. I want to celebrate people. I want to celebrate their wins. I want people to leave being next to me. If it's for a minute, 10 minutes, for an hour, I want people to leave being with me going, I felt loved, I felt encouraged, I felt celebrated. That's a goal of my life. I don't, I'm not perfect. I haven't done that perfectly in my life, but that is one of the goals of my life. I wanna celebrate people. I wanna celebrate what God's doing in their life. I wanna celebrate their victories. I wanna celebrate their marriage. I wanna celebrate their children. I wanna celebrate people. I wanna lift people up. I want people to feel encouragement and love and hope and joy. I want them to know what it feels like to be next to Jesus. But it takes maturity to go, I'm gonna celebrate somebody else. I'm okay if I'm not celebrated. I'm okay if I'm not recognized. I'm okay if I'm overlooked. I am so excited to celebrate somebody else. Verse 31, the father said, my son, you are always by my side. Everything I have is yours. Jesus goes, everything I have is yours. I paid for it all. Health, healing, prosperity, blessing. I paid for it all on the cross. Everything, I give you the kingdom. My kingdom is your kingdom. I did it all for you. Verse 32, it's only right to rejoice and celebrate this. Because your brother was once dead and gone, but now he is alive and he's back with us. He was lost, but now he is found. Point number five, last point, is freedom. Freedom. Write this down. You will find and experience freedom over offense, manipulation, and immaturity when you love like Jesus. This is why Ephesians says, get the love of God so deep in you because the love of God will complete you. It'll make you whole. It will satisfy your life. And these things like offense, there's no offense in love. There's no manipulation in love. 
In love, there's no immaturity. In love, we long suffer. In love, we are kind. In love, we have joy. In love, we have peace. Get the love of God. Experience the love of God that just completely wrecks your life. Changes everything about you. Get that love into your heart. Mark chapter 11, verse 25. But when you are praying... First, didn't say later, after you make your request. He says, first, forgive anyone you're holding a grudge against. So that your Father in heaven will forgive you of your sin too. Uh, listen. I'm just gonna give you my perspective. There's no way that I plan to stand before Jesus someday and him go, I'm sorry, but I couldn't forgive you. You held on to offense and anger and bitterness and you wouldn't forgive Jeff. And I'm sorry, I couldn't forgive you. There's no way I'm standing before the Lord like that someday. He said, first, first, the first thing you do, the first thing you do, release love, release grace, release it. First thing you do, let go, let go. Ephesians chapter four, verse 31, it says, get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, slander. God knows I'm working on this. Can I get an amen from anybody? But it said, get rid of this. Get rid of bitterness. Get rid of rage. Get rid of anger. Get rid of, rid of harsh words and slander and all types of evil behavior. Instead, be kind to each other, tenderhearted, forgiving one another. The brother should have came home and said, brother, I forgive you. Brother, I let go. Brother, you are my brother, right? because that's what God calls us, brothers and sisters in Christ. And as brothers and sisters, you're gonna have disagreements. As brothers and sisters, you're gonna offend each other sometimes. As brothers and sisters, you're gonna have hard days with one another. But as brothers and sisters, we're called to do what? Forgive one another. Let go. Let go. The brother should have came home and said, Let's have a party. My brother Tom. Thank God for God's grace. Thank God for God's mercy. Thank God for the righteousness of Christ. Thank God my brother is home. I forgive him and I let go of the past. Now let's go into the future together. Why don't you stand up this morning? I want you to close your eyes. I want you to just simply ask the Lord, is there anyone you would have me to forgive, Lord? Now I want you to forgive that person. I want you to release them in the name of Jesus right now. Let go of that anger. Let go of that bitterness. 
Let go of those earthly perspectives. Let go. Jesus, we thank you for the word of God. We thank you that the word of God washes us. We thank you that the word of God cuts to the very depths of our soul and corrects us. We thank you that the word of God illuminates our path. We thank you that the word of God takes the crooked roads and makes them straight. Lord, we thank you for your word. Now, if you're in here and you want to surrender to the Lord, I want you just to raise your hands real high. Just raise your hands real high. Say, Lord, I surrender. I'm surrendering that bitterness, that rage, that anger. I'm surrendering that manipulation. I'm surrendering the spirit of offense to you. I'm surrendering. Jesus, I release grace to overcome right now. We thank you, God, that we overcome by the blood of the lamb and the word of your testimony. And we declare in the name of Jesus, your people are free. Free. Free of bitterness. Free of anger. They are set free by your love. Your love completes and makes them whole. Thank you, Jesus, for the love of God. I release the love of God right now from the top of the heads to the bottom of the soles of their feet, that would wash over them your grace, your mercy, your kindness, your joy, your peace. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for a church that's unified. Thank you for a church that is bound together by love. Thank you for a church that's bound together by the word of God. Thank you for a church that will look different and act different. Thank you, God, for a church that will go find our lost brothers and sisters and bring them home. Jesus, we worship you. We praise you. We honor you. We ask this in Jesus' mighty name. Amen, amen, amen. Can you get real loud for the word of God this morning?